What's going on, everybody? To another fabulous episode of Sweat and Grind. Rick finally was patient enough for the drop. I'm I proud know. of you. I, you know, I just actually <laughs> been doing it just to kind of tweak and piss you off because yeah. you're on the oh, I know. backside. Oh, I know. And I'm always running the board. So, but with that being said, you got the man across from me tonight, Mr. Brian. Let's turn on that furnace. What is going on, everybody? You got the dick. Yes, at the helm. Dick at the helm. You know it's going to be a good show. And that's it. You know, that's it. We got... uh, We're flying. Greg Greg is just fucking working like an animal tonight. He is. He is on a mission. Um, Todd's working on a fireplace. You know, I don't even think that. I don't even think Todd's actually working. You know, here's the deal: when he says the fireplace is going to take me later into the night than I thought, yeah. are we talking like a bearskin rug on the, you know, on the mantle? And he's, you know, I think going to Pound Town. I think he's going to Pound Town. Going to Pound Town. I think he's more like prepping the fire. Well, you I, know what I mean. Know, is no, I don't know what you mean. I what? think he's just playing hooky and he ain't showing up tonight. Okay, well, so fair, he's okay, that, okay, there we go. Okay. And on the phone, ladies and gents, we have a call in. We do. And it's Eric the Animal, is Eric, all I know. Eric the Animal. What it, What is the name? Is it Eric Strubig? <laughs> yeah, it's Eric Strubig. Oh, I did pronounce it right. Strubig. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Stroke Strubig. Big. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Eric Stroke Big. Yeah, yep. I feel like it's a bathroom name. He walks in, and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm Eric Strubig." <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just, just got to introduce yourself that way. Come off, come off strong. Just so, give it a couple extra tugs. So yes, yeah. yes. So Eric, yeah. fill everybody in on who you are because we are very well versed in the land of Eric. But well, hang on. Our audience the only, has no the fucking only thing idea. I know about Eric is this uh, dude could stay up twenty four hours a day, drink all night, and show up the next day and like no sleep and perform. He, you know what? Yeah. For, for the YouTube you know, viewing audience, I'm going to disrupt the show for just a second. I'm sorry, Eric. Turn that oh, light man. on next to you so that we can actually see. Rick the Dick is sitting in this like shady fucking corner. He looks like one of those two o'clock in the afternoon alcoholics. That's that, where the creepers hang out. There bud. it is. There like, it is. Like just hanging out in the corner of the bar. Like everybody knows him. He's just probably drinking Windsor Neat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you're yeah. just like, don't fuck with that guy. He's so, trouble. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Eric, where the fuck are you from? What do you do? And give us a little bit about you. Yeah. Um, well, I was born in Wisconsin, raised there, and then uh, I ended up after the army in Minnesota. And uh, would you call that an upgrade, for, or <laughs> I mean, Minnesota or the army? Wisconsin. I mean, over to Minnesota. Wisconsin, Wisconsin and Minnesota. Minnesota's got lakes. Wisconsin has cheese curds and beer. I mean, you know. I think that's a downgrade. Uh, yeah, I feel like yeah, you're better off I mean, with the cheese curds and beer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't really go wrong with either. <clears throat> go but, fudge packers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, packers, yeah. right? Yeah. Hey, yeah. I just want to congratulate you from being a fucking hardcore Lions fan and retiring your your QB that threw an interception on his last game. I think it was like the third QB in a row. That has I thrown that. an interception. Yeah. I think two of them were to the Lions. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's well, fantastic. Somebody, somebody's got to give you guys a hand. Your own players don't seem to do it. So that's true. <laughs> uh, hey, we, we turned a we turned a corner last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back down the alley. If you turn enough corners, you mm-hmm. actually are right back in the square that you started in. We we get right back <laughs> to the starting line. <laughs> that's it. That, that's all I got for the Lions. They suck most yeah. of the time. Yeah. So what are you doing out there in Minnesota, Eric? Uh, I'm a field mechanic uh, on heavy 
equipment and just anything diesel in general. Uh, my current specialty is in cranes and mining equipment. Nice. So what size cranes so, you working on? Um, most of the stuff that I work on is going to be some of your smaller, I guess, technically they're, they're truck cranes okay. um, or mounted cranes, just cause that's what everybody and their mom has. And it's tough to get the big crawlers into the metro area. But, yeah. Um, yeah. You mean on what like, it is, like truck crane, like the guys that just set trusses on houses. Uh, some of that, but like, we still have, you know, national sixties that will, they'll pick up whatever you whatever you put on the end of them, but they're, you know, they're mounted on a, a Peterbilt chassis or whatever. And, um, so like you know, six they, axle uh, kind of trucks. Right. Right. Um, I got you. Not, not like your, uh, your ABC construction knuckle booms. I do that too for inspections, but those are, those aren't nearly as, as fun to fuck around with. Now but. to give the audience a better idea, cause we're fairly well versed in hoisting, but a lot of people aren't. When you say your truck mount cranes, uh, like Rick was saying, you're not you're not talking the small shit where you're you're doing trusses. Are you you talking the full size units where you've got the truck that's driving down the road that's got the boom and everything all all yeah. together? But you've got a couple follow vehicles that that are bringing your counterweights. Are those you are, are those you at are that size? Oilers. Yep. yep. That's so right. Depending on depending on date, um, they're called oilers. Um, like in New York, you can't run a piece of equipment over a certain weight without an oiler on staff, which is why backhoes are really popular. Um, but, um, yeah, so you'll have, you know, a six axle telescoping crane. Um, it'll show up on site. The crane will set up on its, um, on its dunnage and get everything leveled out. And then it will actually self load its counterweights onto it so that it can have a larger lifting capacity. Um, and some of them have these weird, uh, for lack of a better term, like cable outriggers, they look like fans that stick out of the back. And that's just to give it a little more support when it's pulling some, or when it's doing picks of heavier loads, um, or farther reaches. I've always wondered what those are for. Yeah, they look cool. I mean, they look like the kid in high school that ran with his hands behind his back. But yeah. They're a little more useful than that kid. Yeah. <laughs> I always wondered why they did that. So it's literally just to give you kind of lateral support on the boom. Yeah. Yeah. Cause depending, I mean, so everybody thinks that they're really rigid and for the most part cranes are need to have a little bit of flex because there's some uncontrollables that are going to cause the boom to flex. Like so how like much look, flex uh, you say a little bit, like when I see those things and they're 12 foot I mean, bent over. You, yeah. You can get, I mean, but what, you know, what's a little bit 12 foot over the span of, you know, 200 meters. Looks like it's going to snap. Whoa, 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 right. whoa, whoa. Take your fucking European units out of here, goddammit. This is an American podcast. We only use freedom units. All right. Well, it's 250 <laughs> American freedom units. Of yardage. Yes. Freedom units. <laughs> 240 bald eagles tip to tip. Hell yeah. Wow. We need to get a screaming eagle sound effect. I think this show could ah! use it. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know what that was, but that that's not a scream. You know it what? Like a, it was close enough like a that seagull. the uh, screaming seagull. Screaming <laughs> seagull. <laughs> now, Starla how important? Obviously, you're a mechanic. I am. How important? Obviously, we haven't really got into the hoisting side, and we're going to talk about the hoisting side. How important and how crucial is your job? to these cranes like because it's I not think if we know eric he, it's not i feel like if he does something <laughs> wrong 
It kills people. Um, so there's, I mean, obviously they need to have the routine maintenance completed and, um, you know, inspections. So we, they all need to have annual inspections done. Um, so once a year they send somebody out like me and we basically say, Hey, these are your deficiencies. Um, and then these are a list of items if they have them that will flatline the machine that they can't run it. So any type of crack in a weld, uh, anything like that, any kind of cable that's damaged, um, that's going to be a no go just because that's a, that's a load limiting factor. But, you know, sometimes it's like, Hey, you know, you got this broken door hinge here. Hey, you got this small hydraulic leak here. But for the most part, when you get into these bigger cranes, the companies see them as a much bigger investment and they tend to take care of them a lot better. So you don't have, you know, the, the rust bucket or the thing shaking pieces off of it going down the road. Yeah. All, um, all the shit we're familiar with in the dirt industry, you don't tend to have. Yeah. <laughs> no, we keep running right, it yeah. with duct tape. We got we got a, a right. piece of plywood over the floorboard, so your feet still stay in the cab. A five gallon bucket <laughs> right, up top right. with like an IV in it for the hydraulics. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, yeah, we call that a drip drive. Yeah, um, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now, hmm? what is your Who, biggest? Who's gonna pet? take it? <laughs> I gotta figure out what is like you being a mechanic. What's the most miss? treated item on a crane like what's your pet peeve with an operator uh that is gonna by far be anything that requires a grease circ or a grease gun that's what i was just about uh, to guess is so any greasing? yeah so like on we'll use a derailment crane for example because i just worked on one of those so a derailment crane is on a peterbilt or whatever chassis um and it has, you know, a 220,000 pound lift capacity it is used to upend derailed train cars or locomotives, um, excluding the chassis of the truck. So just from the crane, from the swing gear up, there's over 200 grease circs. Holy fuck. Now, Every I'm going to go, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that most of those operators, unless they can see it from the cab seat, don't grease them. Yeah. Um, now they're not like an excavator where it needs to be greased every day or you know a crawler you know where it needs to be greased every day but um they need to be greased and they you know they need to be maintained um but like the derailment crane sits in the yard for most of the time i mean in theory the, the less you have to use it the better sure uh, unless you're uh you know norfolk southern then unfortunately y'all have had to use it quite a bit and that sucks yeah, yeah like every um, couple hours every, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're just doing their, their routine inspections. Those damn pennies uh, flip those trains. They still haven't figured out to pro how to properly dump a train car, and and it turns yeah. out just laying her over on the side of the road ain't it? Just just remove part it of the track. Do it. But yeah. yeah, yeah. But but at least I mean, they're they practicing in Ohio. Yeah, but then we haul <laughs> right. three hundred miles up to Michigan to get to well, get rid of the you waste. Know, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you guys get the waste dirt from you know potentially the worst state in the union. Yeah. Nope, nobody uh, likes Ohio anyways. Why don't just stay there? Make that right, the new contamination. There. And we, there's yeah, a reason well, we experimented in Ohio. Fucking leave it yeah. be. Yeah, right. Yeah. Fuck them. Have some courtesy, goddammit. I'm going to start hauling yeah, trash you're... down there, like Canada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Us Michigan um, boys just can't get enough of that garbage. So what did it yeah. take for you to get all your certifications to actually work on cranes? Because I do feel like you could get into being a heavy equipment mechanic knowing, knowing some stuff but not having any official certifications. I feel like when you switch over to cranes, you're in a whole yeah. different world. Yeah. So like the big governing body is the NCOO, which is the national crane operators, whatever the other O stands for. Um, 
and they host operator classes for each classification. So whether it's a crawler or a lattice boom or a tower crane or whatever, um, they go through and you get accredited and certified to operate each of those. And they also have an inspector certification and where you go through and you have to learn how to inspect and what you're looking for. Cause while cranes are all fairly similar, you know, the same way I'm going to, you know, inspect a, a boom truck or a bucket truck is not how I'm going to inspect a lattice crane. So, um, the NCOO is kind of the biggest governing body on that. Um, if you're part of a union, you can go to the union training center. Um, I know the operators union has one in Texas. Um, it's the world's largest crane training center. And like they have like half a dozen tower cranes on pads and they have off-road cranes and crawler cranes. So you can kind of fuck around with the, the world's biggest claw machines. Nice. Um, but yeah, that, and it ultimately it falls on your employer to, ensure that you are certified and you have all the stuff that you need. Um, but for me, I mean, I didn't start in cranes. So making the transition over the mechanical side was all pretty similar. Um, I mean, it's all, you know, nuts and bolts at the end of the day, Sure. but when you're looking and doing inspections, that's when it kind of changes because you're looking for different things. Um, I mean, if I inspect an excavator, there's certain things I know that are going to be damaged or worn. Whereas on a crane, there's less room for error. That's what I was going to say is it, that seems especially on the, on, you know, it's one thing to operate a crane, obviously, but to be on the inspection side, I feel like the bar kind of raises there on responsibility. How does that weigh on you? And how does that kind of play into your mentality when you go out on one of these inspections? So the big thing with me is that I, I mean, I always print out the inspection form and list. Um, some guys don't, they just fill it out at the end. I like having the tangible thing. I don't know. That way I know I don't miss anything. Yeah. Um, but you're just a little bit, you know, you're, you're more focused on it and you have less, less time to, I guess, bullshit. So if an operator comes out, I try to avoid interacting at least during my inspection period. Um, just because, you know, I don't want to miss something because, you know, Todd saw this really cool show this one time. I don't, yeah. I don't really care what Todd does. Um, <laughs> Fuck you, Todd. <laughs> no, what, what kind of what kind of liability do you have if you did miss something? Does it come back on you, or is it like so, ah, we let it slide? So the weird and just like that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm responsible for giving you Eric. A list Eric just uh, disappeared. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa, whoa. What just happened, Eric? As soon as I hand that form over to you, Eric, see, now, check your cord. Uh, see if it unplugged a little bit. Crane, it's their responsibility to get it fixed and to take care of it. So <laughs> hey, when Eric. We repair. We obviously warranty the repair for Eric. X amount of time. I think he. I think he's Bluetooth to his car and he don't now, realize it. As far as liability goes, once I hand you that report then the liability is on you unless there's something that is blatantly missed on there. But, um, yeah, for the most part, they, you know, all the guys that do our inspections, they give pretty thorough lists. It's never like, yep, crane looks great. Like I think last week I did a crane inspection and I found, I don't know, like a dozen to two dozen faults. They Just weren't all major. I mean, some were like, Hey, you got a small hydraulic. I think he's got, got the volume down in the car. The check valve and the operator. And then there's some times where I'm like, Hey, uh, your main list cylinder on your boom. Is He's going to get really uncomfortable that and just keep talking because no one's responding. I bet you I bet you this could go on like three minutes. Oh yeah. And the problem is this is really great information, but <laughs> no one even knows. Hey Eric, can you hear us? What's going on, Eric? <laughs> you there? 
Yeah, he's yeah. the gears are starting to yeah. turn. He's like, I think I lost. He's like, him. what the fuck? You there? I yeah, should drive back. Hey, that, you? that was a great convo, but you must have picked up on your Bluetooth. <laughs> so yeah. when we asked, like, how the responsibility and the wrenching kind of comes back to you if you miss something. The audio oh. changed and you were you, you were, were gone. gone. <laughs> oh man, I was trying to avoid the responsibilities. Yeah, well, you, did, well, a great you job. did a great great job. Like, you basically like, went like on Tommy your, from Rugrats responsibilities. Yeah, um, exactly. You you went on your tirade. Then all we heard really after the end of it was, but it's on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, I mean, we give pretty thorough lists and we inspect. But at the end of the day, once I give you your list from your inspection. You as an owner or an operator or whatever, it's on you to fix everything that's on that list. So I give you a list of 20 items and none of them deadline your crane. They're just small leaks or whatever. If you have a failure of the crane and one of those items is on there, that's on you because I inspected it and I already stated that it was an issue. So as long as you've informed them, the onus is on them. Right. And that's why it's it's such a big deal to be thorough with our inspections um, because, you know, Oh man, I forgot to check, you know, the, uh, we'll say the wear pads. Okay. Well, wear pads gone and that thing chews through a boom or cracks a weld. Like, yeah, that's on you, man. Um, and the, the joy of working for, um, a manufacturer or a dealer is that they have your back as far as training. And if you say, Hey, you know, the, the book time for this inspection said, you know, two and a half hours. Well, I did three and a half. They would much rather have that extra time where you found, you know, all the little nitpicky details. And from a shop side, they like that because you're, you know, you're potentially giving them more work. Sure. Um, you know, if I can give you a list of 40 items, some mechanics can be like, you know what? That sounds like a you, that sounds like a you thing. When can I bring it in? Um, but yeah, just being as thorough as possible. That's kind of the, at least that's been the biggest key for me is to, you know, go through and make sure that nothing gets missed or overlooked. So let's get into some of the wrenching. You obviously do inspections, but I do. What is it like to wrench on some of these cranes? Is it real easy? Is it difficult? Are you climbing um, the boom up there to check the fucking cable? Like, yeah. So you do, do we do a little bit of, you do a little bit of everything. So I was out at, uh, the rail yard, uh, Yes. Hey. Here we go back. Here we go. Can you hear us? Mangles here. Put it reverse, You done messed up, everyone. Let's see if we can catch any of it. So you can't really be afraid of heights, but you know it all depends on. Depends on who it is. Um, there's some of us that specialize, focus more on big cranes, and there's guys that like to work on, you know, bucket trucks and scissor lifts. All these get done at the end of the day. Are you back to where you can hear us? Yeah. Okay. You you're, yeah, your yeah. audio flipped over again there for a minute. Are you n- next to another Bluetooth item that might be connecting to your phone? I'm pretty confident that's what's happening because yeah, the audio you disappear totally changes, and it sounds like you go on to like speakerphone almost. And then we start playing. Buttons. And if we yeah, if we talk to you, you can't hear us, but then randomly it flipped back over, and you can hear us. 
and, 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 and oh, we, oh, we can hear you. You're coming in crystal clear. And this guy is certified to fix fucking cranes. Exactly. That's where I He's go. He's telling us how thorough he is on his yeah, inspections. Perfect. Meanwhile, the signal's bouncing from here to yeah, freaking North Korea. I'd be honest with you. He's starting to fucking terrify <laughs> me if I was fucking a crane operator. <laughs> like, you fucking wrench on my shit. You can't run a cell phone, bro. Eric is the trainable yeah. retarded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have never felt more in line with a phrase than that. Like, hey man, you want to fix this? Sure. What am I? That was alarming. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what what has been like your biggest to date like aha moments as you're working in the hoisting world? You know, as you're crawling around these cranes, is there something that sticks out like this is why I do it, or this is something I don't want to do the rest of my life? Like, is there a moment that just kind of draws to you as you reflect on your career so far um i would definitely say that for as far as the the hoisting world or being in that realm um while it's wrenching it's very different so like everything with equipment is starting to use more computers and you need computers to plug into everything cranes are the same way to plug into you know lmis and lift modules and they have you know trimble systems or topcon or whatever it is um but it is very different because it's not like in the dirt world, you know, you crawl around and you're, you know, you're buried in dirt and grease and oil. And I definitely have those days, but they are few and far between compared to the days where I'm basically sitting behind a computer and chasing wiring schematics. Oh, really? That's that's more what you're doing yeah. on the crane side. There's a lot more electrical and wiring stuff. Yeah. So if you if you pull apart like. We'll use a combine, for example. Like, you pull a combine apart. A John Deere combine has, like, 32 controllers. Of one of these new cranes apart. And there's probably as much wiring in that as there is in a combine. And it's in a much smaller space. And because everything, for the most part, is all European, they have different specs for stuff. So the control boards are different and how they work go about it. So, you know, it just adds a, a level of complexity. Interesting. So now I've got an eight-year-old kid that absolutely loves electronics and electricity and circuits and everything. And we've started to dabble in kind of getting into control boards and shit. How much do you have to know? I've always been curious as a mechanic, how much do you really have to get down into the weeds on like how these control boards are actually functioning and what the the physical bricks are on the control boards and, and troubleshooting that stuff? Yeah, so I'm sure there are some people that get really in-depth in it. Yep. Um, I don't. A lot of dealership protocol or the manufacturer protocol is if it doesn't pass this test, you replace it. So there's not a whole lot of control board building gotcha. or repairing. Okay. Um, it's just not cost-effective to do that. Yeah. Uh, and everything's so complicated now that, you know, a field mechanic's not going to sit out there with a soldering iron and, and try to put one of these control boards. Sure. That makes sense. Are you there still? Boy, that escalated quickly. Boy, you are you're, you're gone. Boy, your phone is you just disappear for for two or three seconds at a time, Eric. I th- I think he's trying to have a conversation on the way home to have a beer. That's Bush. Are you you in the backwoods, Eric? Where are you? I wish I was in the backwoods. I am on the main highway in Minneapolis. So Minneapolis is just that shitty. Yeah, it's Trash Panda City. It's basically a dumpster for us trash pandas. <laughs> well, let's totally switch gears. 
Well, I got a question for you. Fuck you, Rick. Fuck you. (laughs) Why don't you, you fucking sick faggot? I'm not gay. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. The drag show show in Vegas might argue. That's where I was going to go is Vegas talk. But no, no, no. Rick wants to stay on topic here. Well, we will get there. You know what? Fuck you. No, we got like another 45 minutes or so. All right. Whatever. Obviously, Eric, thanks for the service and being in the army. I got a question for you, though. You're you're in a mechanic role now. Was this was this like a dream as a kid? Were you building stuff back in the day and you just knew this is what you wanted to do? How did you even find your way into becoming a mechanic? Was it going to the army? They helped you put it together. Was it an employer? Like when did you start realizing this is me? I'm a mechanic. So, grown up, I could take anything apart, putting it back together, not so much. But I'll tear anything apart. Um, I was not mechanically inclined growing up. Uh, like I pretty, like very vividly remember my dad, uh, looking at my ex-wife and saying, Hey, if you ever have mechanical things, Eric is not the person to fix it. Don't don't let him do it. He's out working on cranes instead. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Shit that hoist. I can't fix your Toyota Tacoma, but I can take this LeBear apart. Um, but when I was in the army, it was, I mean, it was kind of, we had like maintenance people there. Um, that was not my role. So, but off, more often than not, they would tell you, Hey, this is a user level fix, AKA go fuck yourself, fix your own truck. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of get okay at doing stuff there. Um, and then when I was transitioning out, there was a, uh, a conference or something like that called like helmets, the hard hats. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I know that I didn't want to work in an office and I didn't want to use the degree that I had gone to school for. What did you Um, go to school for? So my bachelor's is in political science and public administration. And then I have a minor in applied economics. Oh God. So the audience has no idea, Eric, who you are personality wise, but I, I, for myself, (laughs) sweet Jesus, man. What I want to know what you were planning on doing with that degree. I can only imagine. Dude, he doesn't even Uh, fit the mold. So yeah. (laughs) In person. What, what made you go that route, dude? I got to know. That was like a, the army will pay for school. And then when they were talking about degrees that would transfer over when I was thinking about becoming an officer, which I ended up not doing, they're like, this is a good one for leadership. And I got the class. I'm like, these bitches is full of shit. This is a bunch of liars. (laughs) (laughs) I could just see Eric right now getting like all sophisticated, diving into a topic with some like white collar people. And he gets rambling on, why oh, you need to be doing this in my schooling? Then he'd be like, now "That's a titty." <laughs> that's more Eric. That's, I just, I'm, I'm thinking, what the fuck movie was it where Zach Galifianakis like was in a suit and had his beard all fucking yeah. pulled into a little ponytail? Like that's, yeah. that's Eric as a politician. He, he's tucking it into <laughs> his fucking undershirt. Yeah. The campaign. Yeah. Oh God, it's so the good. Campaign. Was now, it the campaign? Yeah. Now, whatever, Eric, we, whatever we say at this table, I'm not going to be mad about. <laughs> now, if you were ever going to make it to be a politician, what kind of politician would you be, Eric? Uh, probably an aggressive one that didn't make it very far. Right. Who's who's beeping in? A call from a suspected spam. Suspected. Sa- oh, put them on. Oh, hang on. We can hang do on. This. We're gonna three way it. We love three way it. Hello. Yeah. Hello, sir. Good afternoon. This is David. How are you today? We're doing, we're doing good. Fantastic. Can you merge the calls? Yeah. Hang on one sec. Give Let us me, just a second. Hang on. I I gotta connect to my car here. Hang on. 
Oh, hang on. Yeah, I'm not connecting. The... Hello. Are we there? I'm here. Hello. Are we there? I'm here. I know you're there. What about the other person? Hello. Uh, uh, dang it, Eric! You still a there? Sweat and grime, missed opportunity. That's called Eric back now. Oh, did you hang up on him? Yeah. Welcome to the Sweat and Grime uh, Absolute Shit Show with man. Ryan and Rick. Well, you, uh, you get a fucking telemarketing. Dude. You're like fuck the crane guy. Oh, no, no, we were going we to three on way and have some good old time. Yeah. I told him you we fuck were. On, you fuck on me? No, we don't fuck on you. We fuck each other. This is Rick the Dick non-gay Valco. That's right. He's he'll take them all. Well, but we could just act like we we're at the drag queen show and when they answered. Uh, you could have hit him with like a meow. <laughs> That's what you gotta do when you find yourself in a vicious cockfight. <laughs> oh, they're so, entering the gauntlet. So to to get back on track, you were the most ridiculous uh major ever that I could imagine for you. Yep. You graduated yep. with that degree, decided you did not want to follow a life of politics or anything related. Uh, which is shocking. Absolutely shocking to me. So yeah. then how did you get into wrenching? Um, so when I was getting out of the service, they had like a helmets, the hard hats program and John Deere had, I think it's called the CSP, which is like the certified service program. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Hey, we'll give you access to 20 online credits. And if you do them, then we'll accept you in the program and we can, we'll get you, uh, some job interviews, not a job, but job interviews. I'm like, well, fuck it. Why not? That's a big company. Yep. They make cool shit. Yeah. So um, I took those classes and instead of getting, like I got job offers because obviously there's an employee shortage and there was, you know, a while ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I started at an egg dealer working on like farm equipment and like compact construction. And I really wanted to work on like bigger equipment. I just wanted to work on whatever the, you know, the, the coolest. Yeah. You want to play on the big toys. No one wants to fuck right. around with lawnmowers. And then I switched over to the construction side um, and started doing more on production class. And then the dealership I worked for figured out that that military CSP program meant that John Deere was going to pay for all of my in-person certifications and classes. All they had to do was pay for my flight and my wage. And so that meant for like the first like six or seven months of this dealership, I lived out of a suitcase and I went to all these different, John Deere calls them capstones, but they're like a master certification in that, that class of equipment. Gotcha. Um, but I got capstone, I think in everything but haul trucks that John Deere makes. I mean, skid steers, excavators, small, medium, and large, graders, you name it. I went to school and I got a, a certification for it. Um, the downside is then the dealership expects you to be super knowledgeable in this shit. Yeah. Um, and you and just got not. the crash course. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you don't know. I mean, there's dudes that went through capstones that didn't know shit. I was one of them. I like got done with the Beko one. I'm like, what the fuck is this thing? This like, was the mechanic that showed up and built hours on your job without fixing shit. Oh, right. And like, I remember I was going, <laughs> I was going to the greater class and I had to Google, I had like YouTube, like how to run a greater. Because you have to run the fucking thing to diagnose it. And I'm like, I've never run a grader before. And you know what? You just start pushing buttons those. and pulling levers. He walks <laughs> yeah. up. He's like, where's the fuel cap on yeah. this thing? Yeah. Right. What like, do you use this for? 
I'm I here got, to like, change your air filter. Swinging out and hitting the teacher. Shit. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, that is all yeah. right. Now, but do you have one piece of heavy equipment in the dirt world that's that you love your, to play? Oh, I was going to go the opposite. So we'll we'll do yours first. What's what's your favorite one in the in the dirt world? Uh, to work on or to run? The run. To run, fuck anything by anything by like Vermeer or Rayco or um, like Tiger Cat. All that shit is basically like construction equipment with armor and then a bunch of metal spinning teeth. That shit's fucking cool. That's true. So I'll give you that land clearing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now we're gonna flip it. As a mechanic, what one machine is the absolute bane of your existence? Ooh, uh, anything that has to do with paving, because it's covered in fucking blacktop. Yeah, um, I can see and that. For somebody of my petite stature, uh, any compact piece of equipment, especially skid steers, can fuck right off. You don't like squeezing your your nice have, figure. He must have got stuck somewhere. He's got to have, have a story. Have you gotten stuck? Got to oil her up. Oh, I've definitely gotten wedged into a piece of equipment before. There's no, I mean, <laughs> you just get, I mean. Pull yeah, the story fun. out, Eric. Pull uh, the story out. You were balls just, deep in what? Just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it was, a, it was a John Deere skid steer, and we were pulling, we were pulling a, uh, some, one of the lines from the, the hydraulic tank, and I couldn't reach it from sitting, so I had to, like, kind of wedge myself in there. Well. I wedged my big fucking foot underneath the hydraulic line and wedged my leg between one of the pumps and one of the, you know. <laughs> what the, the fuck? So you're just and, hanging out wrapped in like, this thing? Yeah, so I'm like straddling a pump, facing the engine backwards in a machine that I can't reach any of the fucking grab handles in because they're all removed so I can access shit. <laughs> I'm like, dope, dope. So I had to uh, I had to call for some assistance. Uh, I have somebody kind of like, pry me out of it because I was like wedged wedged into this thing. They have to bring the crane over and kind of kind of give you the yeah, old shimmy. That, that, see that maybe that's where I first got my love for rigging when it saved me from being stuck in a piece of shit. Says there's no internal compartments I'm diving into. Hook under the arms, yeah. Eric. Hook yeah. under the arms. <laughs> the, the sling of life. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Coming out looking like he's been re being rescued by the Coast Guard. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Just hanging out. You know, living the dream. <laughs> oh, that's fuck. awesome so so con expo what was your big yeah. takeaway from con expo as a mechanic because we we eating have us. our yeah we have our it's eating us that's that's true I eating mean, yeah meeting us if that's not first fuck them that's true yeah um did you hear the disappointment there yeah wow mm, fuck off no, Eric. Well, i think <laughs> first, first of all the, the people and the connections are why you go to con expo 100 I mean, it's, cool it's cool to see the equipment and to see who's got the latest and greatest or even some of the demos but if you're not networking and taking full advantage of the fact that you have people that you will never meet anywhere else other than there, then you've missed kind of the whole point of contact. 100%. But why, and, and why would I mean, you go just being like a operator, mechanic or labor? Why would you even want to attend con expo? So I kind of got there. I mean, I didn't, I didn't get into con or I didn't go to Connex originally, like just because I was a mechanic, but now that I've gone, it's beneficial for an operator or a mechanic to go because you kind of get to see the rest of the picture because if all you do is run, you know, a hole all day, you don't really see the rest of it. You don't see right. product design. You don't see all the other stuff that goes into it, components. And as a mechanic, it's really dope because you can see, you can talk to engineers or parts 
like uh, inside, you go to some of those demos or some of those booths and, you know, you can see the parts that are available to the customer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're an independent guy and you're not bound by a warranty of, of matching part by brand, you know, hey, instead of this axle, you know, Spicer has one that, you know, meets the same standards, but it's a little more durable. You know, you just get to see all of that other stuff where in reality, you know, if I'm a mechanic, otherwise, I know what my parts guys get me. I don't right. know anything outside of that. Like, I don't no idea of brands or anything like that. So now what did, what did you take away from it on a personal experience? Obviously we touched on that, but just personal op opinion. What did you take away from it all? Um, I found that, uh, I found that there's a lot of people that have, uh, we'll call them similar, similar situations. So there's definitely, you know, there's obviously all, you know, the blue collar stigmas and stuff like that. Right. Um, but it was super awesome to meet a bunch of like-minded people that all, you know, while everybody, you know, we'll call it journeys different. Um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of commonality there. So, you know, you meet people, you know, if you, you know, you're, you're struggling with the, the work-life balance. There's people that are doing the same thing and maybe they have some advice and you just kind of get to meet them and talk about them. Um, but it was cool kind of seeing the mix of people that were there. You had, you know, the big wigs that, you know, you know, the LaBears were there and they were meeting with people that were there because, oh, my husband runs a crane or, you know, my wife runs a crane and I'm just here to tag along. Like, you don't really get to brush elbows with some of the level of people that are there on a regular basis. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That was a, re a really cool aspect of the show. Just it's, it's interesting because people that are totally unaccessible to you in any other uh, environment are suddenly right. right there in front of you. We, we just randomly were talking to some ladies that were there with the, the miss dig booth or the, or the yeah. yep. a one, one booth. And she's like, yep. Oh yeah, I've got, I, I know the guy that's uh, the head of AEM. I'll just, I'll just call him right now. He'll come over. And sure enough, here he comes walking around the corner just to shake hands. It's like, Holy shit. Yeah. It makes, it, it makes the world. No. Like, social media is great because like you can reach out. Like I, I had talked to both of you on social media a little bit for a while. Yep. And but meeting you in person, like you don't have, like if I reached out to LaBert, I might get a customer feedback person, but I'm not going to get the chief of engineering. Right. I mean, good, bad, or indifferent. Maybe they don't want to meet me. Um, but the, just the networking and the people there, that was, I mean, that's worth the price of admission right there to, to kind of meet. And you know, I mean, you're bullshitting over a lot of commonalities and you know, you get, you know, you, you get as much as you put into it. So here, here's a question for you as a, as a mechanic, because we have our own opinions as people in the dirt industry, all yep. the alternative fuel shit that's going on right now. What is your take on that as a mechanic? Um, I don't, I don't deal with a lot. I mean, I on road trucks, there's a decent amount of like LPG stuff. Um, but as a whole, I don't know about alternative fuel source. Um, I'm more on board with the John Deere calls it hybrid. Kathy calls it next gen where you have basically a generator on board the equipment and then you have electric drives because yep. I think that's, that's by far the way to go. If you look at fuel consumption and power and torque ratios, you can't beat it. I yeah. mean, you can run a machine at 1900, you can run an engine at 1900 RPMs and have all the power you could ever want. And you have it in precise control. It's kind of like Tesla's. Are they the loudest? No, they're they, you know, but they're by far the fastest. Yeah. And they have the most control on the technology. Yeah. So 
I think it's just getting people to kind of make that the technology leap. I think that's the thing that holds most people back, especially on a lot of this newer equipment, like the, um, what was that mega backhoe that we went and poured the beer? The hooting. Hooting. Yeah, yeah baby. Like that, that's a perfect example because the way that thing runs is you can run it all on electric. You can run it with the diesel engine generator running, or you can have it in both where it intermittently starts and stops as power is needed. Yep. And I mean, that thing was light years ahead of any backhoe that I've seen. Yep. Um, or, I mean, I guess it's not technically a backhoe, but it is. Um, and that uses a lot of similar features to a lot of the cranes in the remote system and just the program, the, you know, how well you can program pretty much everything. You can program how much grease goes to each Zerk if you want to. Yeah, that's that's nuts. When you start getting into that level of customization and programmability, it's, it is insane how technology is starting to take over. You know, the, but, the eye-opening for us when, as we were walking around embracing the the change has come as much as everybody wants to fight the change has coming was the eye opening part of it was the dealer support and everybody walking alongside you like you weren't just left to the wolves and this is just right. something that you're going to have to deal with like they're working around the clock to come up with these solutions and to be there right there with the fix that is on par with the equipment today that's running diesel that we're all used to from the torque, the horsepower, the lift capacity, the runtime. And it's not like, oh, we're just going to put this out to the market. Obviously, you're going to have some trial and error periods that got to go out. But these guys are in it for the long haul, not just buy my product. Let's just keep our sales up. They're like, no, we have to meet the demands and we need you to be able to meet your schedule. That was a pretty eye open experience for us. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that makes the industry that much better is that they're not just, here's the product that nobody asked for. Listen, I don't care how cool the idea is. If it's not something that's feasible or usable, I don't really see the point in it. If somebody feels that it is great, but I feel like in a lot of industries, there's like, this is the product you never knew you needed. I'm like, but do, but do I need it? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a reason no one thinks they need it. It's because we fucking don't. <laughs> right. Right. So, like that that right. was one of my things with con expo is it, it, and this isn't even just con expo but it really was fo- focused and showcased in con expo is all the electric equipment Ugh, i feel yeah. like the whole industry is trying to jam it down everybody's throat and everyone in the fuck industry that that's actually that's not a manufacturer is going guys fuck off with that like we you're not you're giving me a product that i'm going to pay double the amount for it's going to run for half the time and yep. you're telling me i should be grateful and thank you like, no. fuck right. off. Give me the hydrogen. Like the, uh, give me the, the propane. Cat, right. The cat was like the 301.9 or 308.1 or whatever it was. Yep. The little battery powered mini. Yep. Um, the guy's like, well, you can charge it into this solar pack. I'm like, you got 50 fucking feet of solar panel powering a gen set that in ideal conditions, we're in Vegas with no clouds. Right. And it still took all day. Yeah. I don't know if you've been to the Midwest, but um, I haven't seen the sun yet today. I was going to say we're about, I don't even know, four, three days deep and not seeing the sun here. Yeah. And we got another two to go. Yeah. Michigan only gets like 85 days a year of sun. Like pure sun. Pure sun. Yeah. Well, right. And my question then falls more on like, okay, so you get eight hours of optimal runtime. Like the Volvo Mini gets eight hours. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, is that eight hours in, in Vegas and Texas heat, or is that 
eight hours in negative 40 degree Minnesota winter. Right. I'm going to be up here with my flashlight shining the solar panel to charge. That's right. Like your old old calculator. (laughs) Yeah. Well, these smartphones now, you know, turn on that light. So, so what's your opinion on, so we learned one of the things that we really learned a lot about is uh, how close we are to compressed natural gas actually showing up on the job site. You know, I was always under the impression that that any alternative fuel was still a good ways out, but man, compressed natural gas. It, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if in the next two to five years you start seeing machines kind of skirting around. What does that mean for you as a tech? Like, how does that change the game, and how difficult is that transition going to be? So, I think as a tech, the transition isn't going to be extremely difficult. Um, it's obviously a different level of tech. Um, it's got you know, there's goods and bads. I know that there's there's complaints that with the you know with it, you know, it's it runs hotter in engines and guys complain about its scoring stuff. But um just like anything else, you know, you had old timers that didn't have to deal with after treatment or yep. an electronic fuel system. And as much as everybody hates death, right? Yep. Death's the fucking enemy. I'm pretty sure I have a t shirt that says fuck death. Um, <laughs> but it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Like after treatment's not going anywhere. Electric shit, not going anywhere. It doesn't need to be in every market, Yeah. but it's not going anywhere. Nobody's going to be like, you know what? This was a shitty idea. Fucking trash the project. I mean, they're going to, they'll ride that motherfucker out until they can. California yeah. has put their money on that horse Good. and it ain't going away. And like, I, went out to, I went out to, I had a layover when I flew uh, Sky Pirate Air. Um, I had a layover in LAX and I met up with Janine and I got to see the Catalina Pacific concrete fleets and Spirit. it's all natural gas. It's wait, what is all their entire fleet of mixing trucks is all natural gas. No shit. Oh shit. She I never told to me hit, that. I forgot to hit the button. So you flew over to California and met up with Janine. Man, Rick, you had to like go <laughs> three minutes back in the podcast to play that sound effect. I know, dude. I fucking was so listening to that, Eric. Ed, Ed Chance muffed it. He did. So, he muffed it. Ed, sorry. It's just our sense of <laughs> fucked up humor. So what is... Um, it, hang on. Oh, 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 Stop right there. Oh, 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 choke on okay, it. Okay, whatever. That black thing. Choke <laughs> on it. Hey, uh, so you, obviously we're talking about the equipment, the new technology, being a mechanic. Was there any new tools, technology that's coming out that kind of excited you being a mechanic? See, I should have held up my two fucking fingers because mine directly related to the question. And here we are switching subjects. God damn it. You, right. The communication here, Eric. I'm sorry. Eric, I'm sorry we couldn't be more professional for you. You, you see what happens, Eric? You got a retard in a brain in a room. Now, see, the real question is deciphering which one's which. Well, that's that's up to you. That's not even. We're up still for trying debate. to figure out a litmus test. <laughs> <laughs> was there something that stuck out to you though, being a mechanic? Um, there was. I mean, there wasn't. There was not a whole lot of tool stuff there. Um, I will say when I stopped by, like Lincoln Electric and Miller Electric, seeing some of the stuff they're coming out with was pretty sweet. I know Lincoln has like a an MPX that runs air as well um in a small platform so guys running smaller service trucks like me in a you know an f550 we can have that that big power and not have to have you know the the big blue or the giant engine driven welder gotcha okay 
You're you're totally outside of our scope, so I'm just yeah. gonna I'm gonna pretend like yeah, that's a man. That's yeah. what an upgrade. Go Lincoln, buy the yeah, red one. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. More right. oxygen. So I was gonna circle back to Janine. You know, we didn't have to had Rick not been retarded, but here we are. But Janine's fleet, all natural gas. Yeah. What? Yeah. What did did you guys get a chance to really talk through the advantages and advantages and disadvantages at all? No, it was more or less looking at it and like kind of seeing how like their, their job, like their home base differs from, you know, where we have. So like they have fast fuel points where like, Hey, this truck needs to make a turnaround and it needs fuel and they'll dump it. They had, you know, like trickle down overnight where it slowly fills it. And then they have like their regular purge charging system. But I mean, it's not as easy as like a diesel fill up. Like you can't just throw the pump in and just, you know, and Five walk away your truck's full yeah right um and the way they have them set up i'm kind of curious i know they're semi-protected but the way they are on trucks is they're between the big mixing bell and the cab yeah and it's a perfect spot I'm for a bomb curious. yeah <laughs> right i'm real curious as to uh how that works in an accident yes like I feel like diesel's pretty stable, but you give me a giant canister of natural gas, I'm going to naturally assume that it blows up. Uh, 100%. And, and that's what I kept propane, trying to... Propane accessories. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to squeeze out all these guys that are talking about up into hydrogen. Because hydrogen, you start dealing with like 3,500 PSI in those tanks. And I'm like, okay, right. I, I make was, an assumption. A, We've right, done some a, testing. Right. <laughs> And like there was this big balloon a long time ago. Um, what do they call that know, fucker? The 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 Blindenberg. Hindenburg. <laughs> 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 yeah, the right. fucking Hindenburg, and it didn't end well, and that was not pressurized. <laughs> you know. No, that's exactly it. like. Hey, it's filled with this. Okay, we're gonna do that, but we're gonna pressurize it and then put it on a construction site. Well, oh, when we talk about the natural gas lines in the ground, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, this one's running like 1500 PSI. It'll kill you just from the explosive no, decompression. Dude. And it, then they're it like, it don't fucking just kill you. But that tank behind you. Yeah, it don't just kill it's you. It's got three times that amount of pressure. It disintegrates you. Yeah. Like you're just gone. To, remember the gas line last year? It blew up over on Hogan Road. You're no more. It blew like an acre. Yeah. Fucking out just, of the hill. You just don't exist anymore. Yeah. You have become well, elements. You know, it's a it's a crash <laughs> crash test rating at like thirty five miles an hour. Yeah, anything under you're safe. That that is one of my big question marks out there. And, and again, I go okay. Well, what about being smoking when they're filling it up? Is it a little more flammable? Oh, you're gonna be a fuck ton diesel? more flammable than diesel, one hundred percent. But where I go is. Surely they've thought about this, and I'm sure they've got these carbon fiber wrapped tanks, and there's a bunch yeah. of fucking crash tests being done. You're supposed to be wearing the flame repellent bodysuit as you drive this truck. I think you're going to need more than that. You're going to need a fucking bomb suit with the pressures <laughs> you're like, talking. Be looking like an astronaut. Exactly. Yeah. Like the fucking guy on Hurt Locker or whatever the fuck that movie was. <laughs> yeah. Just take the bomb suit off. You're gonna die. Might as well do it comfortably. That's true. So yeah, I, that's. I am really curious to see where all of this goes over over the next like five five to seven years. I think is when I we're. I think gonna, it's going to be great. I, I think, think it, ultimately will because we do get to lose emissions. Yeah, but I honestly think it's going to be a lot safer than what we're actually playing it up to be. Oh I, yeah, I think the like, crash think rate. Anything, go ahead. Yeah, I think with anything. You know, whenever it comes out, everything's the worst, right? Like, yeah. like us right now, it's gonna fucking blow up, blah 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 blah. But you don't have emissions, and you look at like 
what happens if you have a natural gas spill on a job site versus a diesel spill? It just smells like somebody farted for half the job site. Well, do you do you have do you have enough balls to shoot a ten pound propane tank with a gun about five feet away? No. Why? Well, because we all know how that's going to end. That's what we think. What's going to happen with this truck? Well, that's what. But that's what he's saying is we all assume the worst. But I in reality, it. people people who are in charge of making the safety. I mean, I say that confidently like it's been done, but Ford made the Pinto and it passed all of those safety ratings. Look, look, they got a spear on impact that it just penetrates and starts letting the oil, the... There you go, lets the gas, gas out. Gas out yeah. before it blows up. I'm yeah. telling you, they got this figured out. Does it sound like a balloon deflating the whole time? Oh, yeah. It sounds like a Chinese fart or something. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, you need, the, you need the sound effect or it's not as effective. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the power for the cause. <laughs> wow. People be wrecking into each other just for the sound. <laughs> yeah, these, these, yeah, these, if they're like Teslas, right? Like you can set your horn to be whatever you want. Like, that's can true. I do that with my in my, my LPG engine. Like, I actually want this to sound like a 5 0 coyote. Um, because that would be cooler than whatever the natural gas sounds going to be. But, that's true. I am curious what those engines are going to sound like. That, that big old, so, so the whole, what prompted this whole conversation is at Con Expo, Cummins rolled out a new 15 liter. They're calling it a fuel agnostic engine. The thing's yeah, fucking badass. Um, no, I'm not talking to you, Eric. I'm talking to the fucking audience. We're not. This isn't a fucking three way conversation. <laughs> oh, Eric, Jesus, he's on a podcast. Yeah. You know the one he listens we, to. We got to educate all the trainable retarded out there in the audience. I think it's the 15. <laughs> I'm I'm already ahead of the Diesel Queen because I listened to an episode before the I got diesel on. <laughs> the Yeah, the Diesel Queen. We, uh, mm, mm, and we'll just we'll keep our comments to ourselves on that <laughs> one. <laughs> Come on, you pansy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That, that 15 liter, though, dude. Dude, when, that was a crazy When engine. we went there, and going back well, to Well, finish the, explaining it, because Eric interrupted the, the audience. Fuck, Eric. This is our podcast now. We're taking it back But that's over. what I'm saying. Finish my explanation so, to the audience. What is it? That 15 liter, like, when we first went there, we're checking it out, and we had to talk to these dudes from Cummins. We're like, great. Let's go jerk off some Cummins dudes. Yeah, I mean, it was. It's like, who you wants know, to talk about an engine and, until they came in? And then we get talking, and they're like, yeah, that's going to run on that uh, bile diesel. HBO. HBO. And we're like, yeah, that's fucking cool. Like, So I just go get a little Crisco and dump her in. Like, He's like, no, no, no. You're not getting the concept. He goes, that block is capable of running HBO, hydrogen, and natural gas. They just pull the top of it off. Just the head. Yeah, just the head. And then obviously they got changed out probably the pistons, probably rings, pistons, whatever. Yep. But eighty percent of it stays in the motor, whether it's on road or off road when it comes. He's going to pound down. I what are you He's getting excited about you this building. Building something? Are you like a top chef that's whipping up something to eat? What's going on over there, Eric? Oh, he just—it's just, like the angry, angry gorilla. He's—he's he's getting so into into making his dinner, he ain't even fucking listening okay, anymore. Well, this one time at bank camp. <laughs> Did that help you, Eric, for what you're doing? <laughs> yeah, it didn't make it worse. We're good. Did you bring the <laughs> tissue box? You got that close by for when things go south. Eric, just oh, I'm a sock guy. Eric, <laughs> just go ahead and put the sock on and start talking. You'll you'll know from the crunching sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me again. Tell me again, guys, so, about that diesel swap. But that's kind of so. Yeah. Going back to it, that's what's kind of prompted this whole conversation. Is that that engine 
is going to be able to run with any of the three fuels. So you got diesel, diesel or HVO in its current configuration. Switch the head, natural yep. gas. Switch the head, hydrogen. And they don't have to pull the motor back out. They don't have to pull the motor. The, the fuel supply would have to change, obviously, the yep. tanks from... You know, it looks like a propane tank, fuel tank, hydrogen tank. That would have to kind of be altered, but yep. it's not like a oh, let's go buy a completely different motor. Let's refab the machine. They're like, we'll make modifications to your truck or the machine when it comes out, and we'll swap out the heads. And it's relatively the price point was fifteen twenty percent more. It wasn't bad. No, so it's not like this big scary thing to realize that the changes that are coming because just like talking to the Chevron guys about this motor that's coming, they're just as excited as the Cummins guys were because it's not just a diesel fuel. As soon as like 2027 when they got started meeting the emissions, they have to switch over to like I think California was the first propane or natural gas that has to switch over whatever. Well, so I want to say by 2027. That's what was I just it 27? Said. If you listen into the podcast, they guys. can't. Well, what I'm saying is they can't. You won't have any more diesel engines no, in it's California. Gas. It's got to be some other fuel or fuel hydrogen. Source. Yep. But just like that, uh, Chevron is ready to make the switch as fast as it is with the motor technology. So it's not like we're just left here in the dark. Yep. That is this big scary thing that's going to happen everybody behind the scenes is right on board as we all take this step and that's what was very um, comfortable knowing you're not just stranded so the other advantages that was pretty awesome is like i said emissions goes away as soon as you hit natural gas hydrogen you're not going to need jack shit on it because and that's that was the other question that i had is if we got natural gas there's there's quite a bit of infrastructure in place like like you said eric janine's whole fleet's running on natural gas so natural gas is actually here in a lot of applications so why pursue hydrogen and it turns out natural gas burns way cleaner than diesel but it's still not as clean as we need to get hydrogen is a true like it is net zero. You're not putting out that, any pollutants. Isn't it getting down to like molecules and shit at that point? Well, all of this, when you really think about it, he's the, making pizza rolls. I'm yeah, just calling you, it out now. Is it pizza rolls? What are you making over there? Uh, I'm roasting a ham. You're who the fuck comes home from work and decides to roast a ham? A fucking weird. How many fucking hours until dinner? You got like eight. You're like, it's like an hour and a half. Uh, who the fuck roasts a ham? Are you by yourself or is this for the whole family? What what do we got? <laughs> yeah, I no, think it's I just my, for him. I got, my, I got my kids later this week, so we're going to do Easter. Okay, this makes uh, way more. I thought I'm we were like, sitting here. Motherfucker's hungry. Well, the, <laughs> you know, he's planning on being hungry in an hour and a half. Fuck, you're going to roast a ham for dinner? Just You came yeah, home you from know, work and, and he's, fuck. He's, he's already eating the pineapples I'm gonna right now. I'm going to bake a turkey. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> But no, that's that's a cool thing. And so emissions get stripped off. And, yeah. and to go to your question about molecules, all of this is really about molecules because when it comes to the, the two things they're worried about is diesel particulate and nitrous oxide. Yeah. And so you're trying to kill those two components out of all of the exhaust. And that's the advantage natural gas has is I think you do away with all of the nitrous oxide emissions. And the problem is you're still off-putting... Uh, a substantial amount of carbon dioxide, and that's the issue. Yeah. Versus with hydrogen, 
because it's just so clean. It well, yeah, it's it's the combustion process combines it with oxygen, and it's a perfectly clean process if I understand it correctly. And so, but you lose the uh, emission shit, and then the other big advantage of just talking natural gas is if the fuel consumption on that motor is only like twenty to thirty percent well, less efficient. Yeah, it than was, diesel. I think it was like a mile or. Mile and a half difference per gallon for like an over road guy, but pulling up to the pump, you half. don't give a fuck about the price point it's when you're half. getting half. And then the tur- the horsepower and torque curve were down just a little. It's like 20, it th- 20 or 30 percent, but it wasn't that noticeable, right? Because they were doing something to it, either putting a bigger turbo I can't on remember it. Remember what it was. Um, when it got down to it though, like they're tuning on the electric side, they're they're tuning these things. To meet your spec and your need. Yeah. That was a cool thing to really see. Really informational conversation. Like that was the first time I ever went, oh, like alternative fuels aren't just this crazy fucking hippie idea. Like this is legit going to be here in the next five years. Yeah. Well, it's just like, obviously we went out there on behalf of Chevron and we did some stuff out there. But to talk to these people, like you think a tube of grease or motor oil or hydraulic oil. To us, it's a the talking to Eric and us. That's a thirty second conversation, yeah. and to find out that these people are passionate about what they do, and they have as much thought and much effort into the products that they make, and they're there to actually solve problems. Right? They're not there just to put out a product and shove it up in your face. And that was a, I want to say another really reality check of, like the oil testing. Fuck, I don't even really cared about oil testing until they go. Our oil has to meet the OEM. So when they say you change it at 500, you have to change it at 500. But if you do your oil testing, our oil's still good for, and don't quote me on it, but another 250 hours if you pull consistent oil samples. The cost savings, the fucking knowledge that was there from the show itself. (coughs) And to hear it from the horse's mouth of, they're not just doing it just to be like, we changed our name. This is a money grab problem. Like, they want you to get the most out of your dollar. Right. And then just to hear that, like with the Cummins coming along and then where Eric's coming in, just to kind of hear it all, that that was priceless to, I think, the show for us. Well, there's there's another question since we got a wrench on the phone. What what are your thoughts and how often do you guys use oil analysis, Eric? Um. So I, I'm a big believer in if I... Do service on it, everything gets sampled. Um, if I drop a fluid, it gets sampled. And then depending on the machine and the type, um, I will pull samples periodically depending on what, um, what the manufacturer's spec is. But I'm pretty big on it because you can kind of tell, you know, if I can save my customer, you know, the time and the downtime of having a final drive go out on site versus, hey, you know, you have elevated whatever brass and you know aluminum shavings in this thing you know i'm all i'm all about that so when you get those oil analysis samples back or the reports is that something where knowing the types of metal is that just something inherent to being a mechanic you know what that is or or their books that you're going into or their their tools and resources you're using to determine what that metal is coming from so there is, and I will just speak with what I have the most experience with, which is deer. Mm-hmm. When you send an oil sample out to deer, or 
on behalf of gear and it goes to wherever it gets tested. Mm -hmm. It comes back and it gives you a list of everything found in it. Um, cause you give them, you give them what kind of oil, what brand of oil, what part of the machine it came from. If you can, you give them the amount of hours that are on that oil sample. Um, and then they analyze it and they send you back this big bar graph of, you know, all right, it's got this much silica in it. It's got, you know, this much whatever in it. And, um, John Deere has a big book of spec, what's allowable, what's not each fluid category. But a lot of the time it'll go to somebody in the company somewhere and they'll send it back to you and say, Hey, we flagged it for this, this, and this. Um, and while I could have looked at it and gotten that, they already have it done. So they didn't know what the issues are going into it. That, that was the big eye opener. So there were two big eye openers when it comes to the, f the fluid analysis. Cause I was with Rick. I was always just like, Hey, you know what? That's for fucking big contractors that have 300 piece fleets and they got to keep track of everything. So it's just easier to do oil analysis and, and have right. all of the records. I didn't realize. So, so talking with the people from Chevron and learning more about that oil yeah. side, OEMs have to just kind of generally protect their shit. And that's why you get the oil drain intervals. It's just like, we know we're safe if you change your oil every 500 hours. But yep. on the oil manufacturer side, they're going, no, this is a product that you're going to use over a duration like anything else. Just because they arbitrarily say 500 hours doesn't mean the oil's actually reached its end of life. But the only right. way to know that it's reached its end of life is by doing fluid testing. And so right. we kind of mentally went through the exercise. And, and Eric, just to remind you, we are on a podcast. I'm walking the audience through this, not you. Okay, stick with me. Yeah. Yeah. Eric thinks this is a fucking phone call. You hit the trainable retarded button one more time. It just that was dumb. That's not trainable that retarded. Alarming. Hit it twice because you need one for you and one for Eric. Gentlemen, <laughs> this is democracy manifest. We're off the rails. It's we've lost Rick. But no, we walked through the logic of let's say you've got our skid steer. What 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 did it cost you to do an oil change on the skid steer? We figured out. It's about it's about. Uh, 500 bucks and then when you strung it out i mean for a full service 250 but when you strung it out um how many oil changes a year will you do on the skid generally if you were doing it hourly uh typically one so one yeah so you're gonna do the one oil change a year it's gonna cost you 250 bucks yeah i mean when you figure average machine for the years 500 hours ish yep for the service for the year so but to realize that, okay, hey, going into winter, everybody just starts doing their services versus going, hey, in Michigan, we could work all spring, change it in the rain season, and get that extra life out. It cut the oil time, I think a third of it cut off. So it knocked off to being like 80, out of $150 change, I think it brought it down to like 87 bucks, 85 bucks right around there, which don't seem like a lot. But that's one skid steer. Correct. Until you start running multiples. Well, and then you start running how much further? Like a semi. I was about to say, that's the other semi, thing. Is a skid is, is like shit for oil four or $500 change. Yep. Yeah. But then not just the oil. You start talking about the filters, well, the labor. And well, then you get into hydraulic oil and yes. all your other fluids that you're having to change. Like the oil is the easy one that's just everyone's surface level looking at, but it's all of right. your fluid. If you can extend all of those drain intervals, you're talking for the price of $10? roughly 10 to $20 for the samples to be run. 
if you could extend that out and save yourself $500 in services this next year, like that by itself is a no brainer, let alone the fact like Eric was just saying it, it, they're doing it at the exact same time. They're analyzing the oil, not only to see if it's an end of life, but you can start to diagnose issues before you even know they exist as an operator owner. But you, you can't just pull oil samples today. You have to have data. You have to start a trend, right? Yes. You can't just be like, hey, this is going to save me. They're going to give me answers. You have to, like Eric's doing, you have to start pulling this. Periodically. Every period. Yeah, like that, to every 250 hours or go. so, you know, whatever the interval is that they recommend. Because they need data or yep. they can't they can't help you and do their job. You're just giving them some evidence going, here's some oil and they're going to go, great. Yeah. This does you no got to establish today. a baseline. You got to know where your machine's currently running to see if things are getting worse yeah. or staying the same. And that just comes with multiple samples. So on that note, though. What? Small business entrepreneur guys getting into the business. Small, getting bigger, growing. Eric, what are we it, talking about again? Small, just <laughs> entre, just entrepreneurs, guys that are in the business. We flip gears, Eric. No, we're still on the same same note. Okay, Rick's back to talking about his dick again. <laughs> That's an entrepreneur, huh? <laughs> Son of a start bitch. small, starts to grow, gets bigger. Yeah, you know, <laughs> she gets erected. Grower. Grower, not a shower, guys. That's right. Grower, not a shower. Throw some ice cubes on that bitch. <laughs> Cool her down. Uh, the entrepreneurs, Eric, obviously, we get a lot of people that reach out to us, and we're talking about oil samples, and you've kind of roamed around with a little bit. If you could give any any bit of advice for some of these guys that are coming into the industry, and they're getting ready to run the gauntlet of buying machines and maintenance and all that, if there's anything that you could give them advice-wise, what would it be on their journey? Um, I would say the top two things, at least from, from my perspective would be when buying a piece of equipment, uh, obviously you have features and stuff like that, but you're buying the service that that company can provide. So if you, you know, Hey, nobody's heard of this brand before, but it does a lot of really cool things and you know, it's cheaper. Okay. Do you have the service network in place to support it when you need it? Unless you're a wrench and you can fix it you know you need somebody to support it um and then and parts to go along with that right um if you're buying you know if you buy something that is that's european made and everything has to be shipped overseas you know versus you know a part that is just here you're done messed up um, aaron yeah <laughs> rick's you done, done you know rick will fire off 14 sound effects right in the middle of you talking but by god when it fits in he's just you, you look over there. There's just nobody home. <laughs> I'm over the board. I just like doing the music. <laughs> I'm sorry, Eric. We, we try to run a professional show. It just doesn't work. So it's like, so it's like watching autism in slow motion. It, it, you um, 100%. <laughs> hey, we worked our asses uh, off today. We're just making this happen. Yeah, this is this was a pop-up random. We're going to go record one and jam it out. Hey, I got a, I got a good one. Oh, go ahead. You're finishing your thought. I'm sorry. Let Eric continue. Yeah, I'm, I'm he was sorry. giving good advice. Say, yeah, then the last thing would be the fluid sampling. I know that like from a smaller company, you know, that doesn't have as big of a, a bank account or pocketbook, it seems like it's expensive, but in the long run, it'll save you. 100%. That's, that was the big eye opener for me. I always thought that's expensive as shit. How's a little guy going to afford that? And it's literally yeah, until, you cook, until you cook out, you know, a final drive and you contaminate your hydraulic or 
or whatever, you know, you have a pump go out and you fuck the entire system. Now you're, now you got to clean the system out, new fluids, components. Whereas before, if you just noted, Hey, there's a high percentage of brass in it. Okay. Well, that's a real, I felt, group I felt like an idiot after talking to them yeah. by not pulling samples. Well, not it's, and, and you really go with the extreme version of that Eric, where I went mentally is even for the fucking extended drain intervals. If I can, if I can cut out a third of my service intervals because I'm doing fluid sampling, that by definition is going to save you more than the $20 you spent on the analysis. And, and with the fluids they have out nowadays, that's the, that's the other thing I think a lot of the industry really doesn't understand too, is the vast majority of the fluids on the market right now are rated to go longer. You just have to have testing to do that. You have to have testing in place to make sure you know when the oil is spent. And so by definition, the first time you do a sample and you don't have to change your oil for another six months because you got that much more runtime, you just paid for that sample and more. But it's just like the old timers. That's a hard concept for somebody to get past mentally. They go... I change it every 500 hours. My no grandpappy always yep. did it this way and he never had anything break. And that son of a bitch is still sitting out there working, away. making money. Oh, right? I guess that's true. Yeah. But when you look at that stuff, like even for me though, I change it when we're slow in the winter. It's ready to fucking go every season. Am I spending money? Let's be honest, Rick. Yes. That's because wintertime you start running out of lube in the house and you got to free yeah. something up. So that's you right. go do a change. I got to have something you restock the coffers. to play with once in a while <laughs> off the motor, right? But that, not even understand the whole concept. And then you listen to Eric talk about, like, we're just talking about trying to save a couple of dollars on getting longer runtime on the oils. He's going full-blown mechanic on us, and he's going, well, you could fuck your whole system. Oh, yeah. That's even more of an eye-opening than getting the longer runtime yeah. on oil. Yeah, I, I just think about so many people in the industry, that's all they think about is the extreme case of, well, okay, maybe when my equipment starts getting a little older and we have right. a couple issues, then I'll start doing the oil testing because that's when it can materially save me. And and the eye-opener for me was, no, like a brand new fucking machine. Start doing oil sampling because, first of all, you're establishing a baseline so that when things start fucking up, you know exactly what's going on. Yep. Because if you pull the oil sample sample after something's fucked up, the, the problem is the lab has no baseline of what was your machine running at before things went south. But if you have that history, they automatically know they're most likely going to be able to catch it before it implodes or grenades itself. But again, you don't even have to have that, to, that, that not having a failure for this to be a really, really good addition to your business. Right. It's literally just the extended drain intervals are going to more than pay for the sampling process. That was the eye opener. I was like, holy shit, that's totally worth it. And none of the small guys do it. Well, what's happening over there, Eric? Checking the temp and the ham. Well, it sounded like he just hit a fucking tin roof with a hammer. Well, he did, but he did slide the sock on. Oh, that's true. I think that's what's happening. So you use used motor oil to, to masturbate with there, Eric, like like Rick? He's he, just got a big old spittoon well, jar that he dips his syrup, hand in. He was pouring syrup on the sock. <laughs> no, no, no. We're using, we're using some Hitachi, some 76 grade here. We oh, oh. For the Hitachi? Hitachi on Hitachi? Wait a yeah, second. You I got Hitachi that. oil? Yeah. Yeah. Branded. I'm brand loyal. Man. 
I didn't realize you could get the high-class oil to go with your high-class vibrator. I think him being a mechanic should be branded on the Hitachi. Can we just get a... Can, if, could we print out a giant Hitachi wand graphic and put it diagonally along the side of your truck? I think it's <laughs> along his cheek. And we'll put Hitachi in the actual industrial lettering. And so S&G, it will look like, S&G podcast down below. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna put we'll we'll make those into stickers and we'll put them in the the urinals along with this one. Oh, dude, I'm all about fuckers. it. I mean, we still need to sticker your truck, but what, what your dealership would be fine with that, right? You know what? I mean, let it rip. You're advertising the yeah. brand. Yeah, put it at yeah. the highest peak of that fucking crane, dude. Just tell I'll them. Put it on the tip of the crane. I'll fucking put that all over the tip. Just swing that tip around. Yeah, sweat and grime at the very tip of the cusp. I mean, I guess as a, as a mechanic, since you're not an operator, you could just claim that you thought it was one of the new joysticks they came out with. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought this was the new supplied part. I didn't know that this was not for the... You're telling me I've been wrong the whole time? It was... New... I mean, it was in the Hitachi parts book. <laughs> <laughs> it says Hitachi on it. It's branded. Exactly. It's the same fucking company making products. Like, how was I supposed to know? So, Eric, obviously you've listened to the podcast. You apparently like only the Only the Diesel Queen episode? Or? Yeah. <laughs> no, I just thought it was funny when you when you made a comment about listening every week and having the previous guests not listen to any of the weeks. Yes. Yeah, that was... We'll just leave that alone. <laughs> nah, fuck it. Um, but but I, for the record, all of her posts that went viral were the ones where she did not have the titties out. Right? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Doing it for publicity. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's say it for what it is. Um, Eric, in your opinion, you listen to the podcast. Why do you think other people in the trades, whether it's mechanic, male, female, whatever, should listen to Sweat and Grime? Because it's, it gets you out of your, I guess, narrow window or vision of the industry so like some of the guests that you guys have on or just your your background in general is not the same as mine yeah. so if you have somebody like i'll use i'll use colton as an example colton and i both work for the same john deere dealership we have similar backgrounds when it comes to john deere but we don't even have the same perspective or i guess vision of the industry so when we listen to your podcast and you have a different guest on that's completely different um, you get insight into more industries, but you still get the same level of coverage, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. That's, that's, that's what I like about it is it, it's, you know, you, you get a, a better perspective on the industry as a whole and then the different parts of it. Cause you're bringing on guests that are, you know, in theory, more knowledgeable on their, their certain area than, you know, the average bear. So, you know what I typically do? I typically give them cue cards that were written out by that new AI chat bot. Exactly. And so Perfect. everyone sounds knowledgeable. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's we, we really <laughs> prime these fuckers up. Fuck, as long as we're pulling right. it off, <laughs> we just need somebody to talk to all the time. That's it. Right. And the reason that mine doesn't fit that much is I can't read. So the talk cards didn't do me any good. It, yeah, that's the yeah, same but, thing with but, Rick. Well, he's got, I got the audio thing. You should try it. Well, so the problem with the soundboard is. Not audio either. 
Oh, yeah. So the problem with the soundboard, the reason Rick's struggling is I don't have little colorful pictures on the buttons. There we go. It's, like it's words. That's I gotta, the truth, I gotta honestly. switch them out with stickers. Like when we go yeah. to the restaurant, my wife's like, what do you get? I'm like, well, that looked good. Yeah. Whatever's on the picture. Well, like we yeah. went to the steakhouse the other night and I got some my my. She's like, I thought we were here at the steakhouse. I'm like, yeah, but that picture looked good. So, you know, Eric, the, the little conversation about the Diesel Queen stirred up a good question. Uh, how often do you find yourself in your in your personal shop? I mean, staring clearly, at chicks with their tits out. No, 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 no. Clearly, you would never do this on a fucking job with a crane or anything. But how often in your personal shop are you generally working on equipment in painted on pants and yeah. uh, it's a hot. bikini top? Because it's hot. Because in it's there. hot. You see, I I go for the hoochie daddy shorts. Oh. Um, I'm much more into the easy breezy kind of thing. Yes, um, he's a whitey tidy kind of guy. You're, you're like full on yeah. Lieutenant Dangle while you're yeah while you're oh. working on the equipment. Yeah, but we're still wearing cowboy boots. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Sucking on a lollipop, just grinding on <laughs> some steel. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Titties hanging out and everything. Absolutely. Very, very Derek Zoolander. Yes, one hundred percent. Well, Eric. Yeah. I'm going to fill in for Matt motherfucking Totten since he's not here because he's no, doing something with no. a fireplace. Actually, no. Tot's not here. I'll just, okay, fine. Fuck, fuck Tot's question. Yeah, fuck fuck tot's. the Tot question. I'll Tot, ask my fuck question. Fuck you for not being here. All right, Eric. What? Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you. You I'm hear that? Our fucking guest is doing a better job on the sound effects than you are, that's Rick. Be, that's because he <laughs> listens to this show. <laughs> See, I keep them all on their toes. Love they're like, it. they're waiting for it. And I just I go silent. <laughs> Welcome to the show. That didn't go what you thought it would. That's right. Dude, that's, that should be the motto of this show altogether. Yeah. But that's <laughs> honestly, though, it's such a fucking like conglomerate fucking fuck up. That's why people like it. You know, that's what I always have to tell people. I'm like, hey, you should be on a podcast. They're like, absolutely. I'm like, no, 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 no. Go listen to an episode and then answer that question. Yeah, <laughs> like there's podcasts that are like all primed and proper, and you're like, okay, this is this is cool, but I'm not really engaged with it. And then there's like good podcasts like yours, so we uh, we just go with that. Yeah, Thank you. if you talk about balls enough, everyone perks up. Then you know, surprisingly, Eric on the show, there was no dick jokes at all. That's that's I will say this has been one of our cleaner podcasts, and I don't know how and no they if don't, the they audience don't know, knew Eric. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> if like, Eric had about a fifth in him right now. It's this is one of those where I don't know how the cosmos came together and protected all of us from each other. Because yeah. Because I think if we like, what was that? What was the restaurant that we went to? Fuck, Chicken I don't even. I don't even remember uh, what restaurant that the was. The barbecue nachos were fucking awesome. The one yeah, we kept going yeah. to. Yeah, that's all oh, I know. Yeah. But we went to, uh, was it Chicken and Pete's? And that's where we decided to, or you guys shared a sandwich, like that QQ couple. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, did. yeah. we yeah. shared, we shared a lot of meals. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember eating somebody else's meal at the table and then my meal showed up later because I was confused and then just handed <laughs> the leftover and finished my meal. You know what, Eric? <laughs> that's just a testament to who you are. It's, You're there to help the brother out absolutely. even if he didn't get dinner. Absolutely. Because you ate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's my question, and you can take it however you want to, whatever direction you want. What's your purpose? Uh, to be an example to my kids, whether that's good, mm. good leadership or, or 
doing that or just, you know, living life and having fun because that's equally fucking important. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great answer. I like that answer a lot. That is, you know what? That was sound. Yeah. And not enough people, not enough people think about how important that is. And I'll, that's all I'll say on that. <laughs> we got a lot of fucking parenting issues in the world. <laughs> fucking mine didn't. Look at me. I mean, look at him. It's Rick the Dick. That's right. <laughs> hey, man, Dick's from Richard. That's all I got to say. Hey, I Eric, got Dick by Rick. Thanks for being on the podcast, man. Absolutely. Thank you, Eric. Hey, thank and thank you, you guys for so listening. Much. And go ahead and check us out on all of our platforms. I'm not going to list them. You guys know where we're at. But I do want you to go check in the description of this baby because we got a PayPal now. You can help support the show so we can upgrade our equipment. We're getting ready to move into a new studio. We need some new furniture, some new cameras that are going to do a better job, some new lighting. It's going to be expensive. What? What? A new sound guy. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. New sound, new sound guy. guy, Rick's tanking. Yeah, so. we need to hire somebody to run this board. Yeah, that's true. So, but, you know, we are getting to the point where we are inviting guests to come sit down and enjoy true. the show live. Uh, yes. we're filming now. We are filming. We are on YouTube. And when the studio is built, dude, when the studio is built, we'll have an apartment so you can actually come and stay for a couple days and be on the show live. You know, so stay tuned for sure. You guys got a story, you know, a friend, spread us, let us know, get them on the show if spread they got the a story. Word. Yeah. I mean, you got to be careful with that phrasing. Hey, if they are listening to the podcast, they would know. Legit tell a friend though. We got to grow yeah. this thing. We need, we need more followers. We need more listens. Um, like right thing, now, get out of the climbing. cab of your machine, yeah. walk over there to the fucking dozer operator, knock and on his glass him. and tell him, go listen to this podcast right now. Yes. Do it. But get them on. We need to hear stories. We out. See ya. See ya.